Welcome to the PSD cast of Power Systems Design. I'm your host, Jason Lumberg, and in today's episode, we return to a familiar but extremely important topic, silicon carbide. While we previously discussed the benefits of uh, sick MOSFETs on this show, and, and the link will be down below, today we're discussing their use in automotive and industrial applications. While the automotive and industrial markets have been a tad reluctant to adopt wide band gap MOSFETs and diodes, Vendors like MicroSemi are helping to spur mainstream sick usage in power electronics. And that being said, we're proud to welcome Avi Kashyap from MicroSemi to the show, and he's here to discuss sick MOSFETs and their gradual adoption in the automotive and industrial segments. Uh, So, Avi, welcome to the show. And by way of introduction, what's your background with MicroSemi and silicon carbide? Hey, thanks for uh, inviting me uh, to the show. Uh, great to be here. Um, so I've been with uh, MicroSemi uh, for uh, for about two years now. I'm the director of uh, silicon carbide technology for the company. I lead all of the silicon carbide activities, which includes uh, productization of our next generation uh, silicon carbide diodes and MOSFETs, uh, road mapping, uh, providing strategy to our executive management, and also leading the technology development from 700 volts to about uh, 3.3 kilovolts. And we also have uh, some government programs, especially the one from Power America, where we uh, are developing you know, 1.7 and 3.3 kV devices. So all of, the, all of those programs are also led by me. Uh, previously, I used to work with uh, GE Global Research, where I led s- several silicon carbide programs there also, uh, including you know, the first known silicon carbide TVS devices uh, that were developed under my leadership there, along with uh, uh, silicon carbide rad-hard MOSFETs, and also uh, silicon carbide integrated circuits uh, that we showed, you know, that could operate up to, uh, you know, 400, 500 degrees C. So uh, I've, I've had a pretty long career in, uh, uh, or at least relatively speaking, in silicon carbide. Uh, prior to that, you know, I, uh, I was also working on my um, you know, graduate degrees in, in this area. So overall, about 15 years or so in silicon carbide. So that would be my background in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I had mentioned this in my introduction, but why haven't uh, the automotive and industrial markets fully embraced wideband gap MOSFETs and diodes? So traditionally, if you, uh, if you go back a few years, uh, rewind maybe five, six years, uh, the main reasons why uh, you know the automotive industry was a little reluctant with wide band gap in general, um, and and that mostly is silicon carbide today. Um, again, is catching up, but silicon carbide is the primary wide band gap power device uh, material. Uh, the the primary reasons are number one, it's cost. Um, it it silicon carbide even today, uh, from just a device to device perspective is more expensive than silicon and the automotive market as you may know is extremely you know price sensitive so that was one of their reasons the second one was uh, reliability there was um, you know a little bit of hesitation from that regard because you know the gate oxides of silicon carbide mosfets were not considered to be as good as silicon mosfets which uh, affected long term reliability so uh, you know uh, you know there was some hesitation in that regard they also needed a lot of field data in order to be used for their applications. Um, but you know, field data is like a chicken and egg story because only if you use them in, in real applications will you get the field data, and you, they right. wouldn't use it until there was billions of hours. 
Uh, and finally, I think uh, you know the, the the last reason is sometimes it's just inertia or some resistance to change because you cannot just do a drop in replacement with silicon carbide and and hope to get all of the advantages that comes with it. You need to change the topology. You need to make some uh, you know new variations in your in your design. And there was some hesitation there also. Um, so those those were the traditional reasons why there was less adoption of silicon carbide in the automotive industry. Mm -hmm. And well, the natural follow-up to that, of course, is why have uh, th these automotive and industrial vendors been more receptive to um, wide-band gap MOSFETs and diodes lately? Um, so this was a, a pleasant surprise for a lot of people in the industry, including us, when the whole market pivoted in the last maybe one and a half to two years or so, when we saw a sudden uptick in, in demand in silicon carbide to the point where you know, we can't keep up with uh, the, the uh, demand anymore. So there is a huge uh, interest currently um, in, the, in the automotive industry. And the, all of the reasons that I just mentioned a few minutes ago uh, have, have basically reversed, and that is basically the answer. So just to go into detail, the cost structure for silicon carbide uh, diodes and MOSFETs have definitely dropped um, simply because people have been moving from 4-inch uh, wafers to 6-inch wafers, and that gives a huge advantage in terms of uh, you know, costing these parts because you get two and a quarter times more devices per wafer in a 6-inch wafer compared to a 4-inch wafer. And also, you know, many of these processes are being shared with uh, a CMOS line uh, in, in many fabs and foundries, so that also helps to uh, reduce the overall cost uh, of the device to a point where even though it may still be more expensive compared to uh, a, a silicon device, the, uh, if you take an overall system perspective in terms of making the size smaller, uh, getting rid of uh, auxiliary cooling systems and things like that, the bill of materials would ultimately be about the same as with the silicon system or maybe even better. Um, so that's, that's the first reason. The second reason is reliability, which I talked about. Um, um, all of those issues that were there in the past have more or less been solved. Um, the gate oxides of silicon carbide MOSFETs are now as good uh, as, as their silicon counterparts. Uh, you, we generally do not see any difference there. We see billions of uh, hours of uh, or millions of hours of lifetime for these, uh, for these gate oxides. So from a reliability perspective, um, people are a lot more comfortable using these for, uh, for applications that need a long life. You know, when we talk about automotive applications, you're talking about a 10, 20 year lifetime for these parts. Um, and then uh, the third uh, reason, which is I think very important, is the advent of many disruptive uh, EV companies, uh, not the traditional um, car makers that we know of, but many new players that came into the market and said, you know, th this is what the automotive industry has been doing. They need billions of hours of uh, field life or, or field data, but, you know, we are willing to take that risk. We are willing to, you know, uh, uh, you know go beyond what is generally considered as safe and, and go ahead and use new technology and get this to the market sooner. Um, and and the, those are companies both in the U.S. and a lot of them are actually in Asia, especially in China, uh, which is, you know, given the, the government regulations there, 
favoring electric vehicle adoption, uh, there, there are a bunch of newer players that, that were willing to, uh, to extend the envelope, so to speak, in terms of what is acceptable uh, for, uh, for the automotive industry. And uh, the final reason is people realize that when you use wideband gap, you need a system level solution. Uh, it is not just a drop in replacement. So new topologies were accepted um, and, and uh, you have new designs that are being used for both EV chargers, onboard chargers. Um, so, so now uh, there is more or less a consensus in the industry that you know, we need to do something new here. Uh, the same old same will not work uh, just as we did with silicon. Mm-hmm. Now, you sort of already touched on this, Avi, but for applications like automotive and industrial, what are the most crucial requirements for sick MOSFETs? Are, are we talking about reliability, longer lifetime, uh, something else, or just a combination of, of all those factors? So, you know, things like reliability and lifetime, they are a given. You, you need to have that uh, to be um, uh, exceptionally good in order to be even considered. But beyond that, from a performance perspective, for you know EV both onboard and and charging infrastructure, and also for hybrids, uh, whether it be plug-in or not, you need very high energy density um, so that you can reduce the uh, you know the weight of your system and increase the range or the mileage of of your car. So if you take a silicon device. It's um, you know uh, a 1.2 kV device, for example, in silicon. If it's going to be an IGBT, it is much slower in terms of switching. So when you do slower switching, your passives end up becoming larger. Uh, so you need more space in your car for those electronics. And so you're taking away space that you know where you can put a battery, for example, uh, and increase the range. So uh, people want long range in their cars. There's, you know, generally people aren't happy if you just give them a 100-mile range. There is always range anxiety when it comes to EV that, that, that we are all aware of. You want it to go at least 300 miles, and you want it to go more if possible. And then the second thing is you want the charging to happen fast. So uh, the, the, the thing that people always point out is, you know, I can go to a gas station and get my car filled in literally like a minute or two, I don't want to be sitting in a charging station for a half hour or an hour so that my car mm-hmm. can uh, get charged maybe 50%. So that can happen only with wide band gap. You're not going to be able to do that with silicon. So the energy density that, that silicon carbide provides is uh, indispensable if you want EV to uh, take off all over the world. Um, also, the efficiency improves with uh, wide band gap because these devices can work at much higher ambient or, or junction temperatures. So you can put less cooling uh, or you can use the same cooling in the loop instead of using two different cooling loops. So uh, you can completely eliminate liquid, liquid cooling if you're willing to uh, you know, go for a more disruptive design and just say as the car is moving, there's going to be air that is, that is ambient air that's flowing in and that should be enough to, to keep the electronics cool. If you do that, that's going to be a huge uh, saving for you uh, from, from a weight perspective and from an efficiency perspective because now your car is going to go uh, even, even more. So those would be some of the main things that, that uh, you know, electric vehicle manufacturers would consider uh, when they're selecting uh, devices for their inverters and also charging infrastructure. Right. Now, 
if we could discuss uh, proprietary technology for a little bit, uh, if we could jump into MicroSemi's portfolio, um, how does their SICK MOSFETs and SICK Shockey barrier diodes address those requirements we just discussed, and, and what, are, what, what other applications would they serve? Uh, sure. Um, so, uh, you know, what makes us stand apart is the fact that we, uh, as a company, have traditionally um, been a very strong player in the aerospace, uh, you know, and defense industries, which require extremely high reliability. Um, and that flowed down to pretty much all of our product lines, uh, including uh, the silicon carbide devices that are directed for automotive. Um, even though we are making it for automotive, we keep the aviation guys in mind all the time because we need to supply it to that, uh, that market segment also. So uh, we put in a lot of effort from the design onwards. Our next generation products are all completely uh, new designs. So they're being built uh, uh, ground up. Um, and from a reliability perspective, we are looking at ACQ 101, which is probably the most stringent reliability requirement, uh, reliability standards uh, today. Um, for, for power semiconductor devices. And for modules, we are looking at the uh, LV324 standard, which uh, the European manufacturers have adopted. So these are um, uh, stringent enough that even um, the aerospace industry is willing to take that as uh, uh, you know, a good reliability metric with which they will qualify their devices. Um, and then what MicroSemi does is it goes beyond just the AEC requirement because the AEC Guys talk a lot about reliability, but not ruggedness. And both are equally important for, for automotive applications. So we go you know, beyond what's, what's just the bare minimum for qualification by doing things like repetitive UIS tests. So UIS stands for unclamped inductive switching. So if your you know, uh, system is designed for, say, uh, 800 volts, and you're using a 1.2 kV device in that, but there is some transient, uh, spurious transient in your system, maybe some passives fail or something like that where your, um, your, your voltage keeps going up to maybe 1,300 or 1,400 volts instead of just staying at 1.2 kV. It goes beyond the, the voltages for which the device is designed. So at that point, if you do not have a good UIS capability, the device will eventually fail and then your whole system will fail. So we make it rugged enough that you can go beyond uh, what these devices are designed for, what is there on the data sheet. Um, similarly, we have pretty high uh, short circuit withstand time, uh, which, is, which is a very big safety requirement for these parts when you're using them in automotive, especially inverter applications. When you have, a, say, a rail-to-rail -rail shot, you don't want your whole system to catastrophically fail. Uh, so the, whole, the system needs to be shut off before it can fail, and that's what uh, this, uh, this rating gives you. We also do uh, you know, repetitive surge, we do body diode stress tests, and also terrestrial uh, neutron susceptibility tests. So these, these are all requirements, or these are all um, tests that are not required by any standard, but we just do it so that uh, we can go the extra mile and say that you know, our devices uh, uh, you know, are, are really rugged. So the repetitive UIS test that I mentioned, our devices have been able to withstand uh, half a million hits of those uh, without any apparent degradation. Uh, and we have look, looked at comparator parts for benchmarking, and we noticed that many of them either fail uh, for you know, less number of hits or 
they end up degrading so much that they no longer um, are, uh, you know, the specs on the data sheet don't match anymore after they have been subjected to, uh, to 100,000 hits, for example. So we take great pride in the fact that our, our designs have been uh, exceptional, and then uh, we have also been able to, uh, to translate that into, into the wafers. So the, it's not just on paper, but even in reality, these, these devices are working great. And, and the other question you asked was uh, about you know, what other areas or applications these, these devices can be used. Um, so if you take the power electronics market in general, you, know, you, can, you can replace what uh, or where silicon is being used for, uh, for decades now with silicon carbide. You know, maybe anything over 600 volts or so. So if you look at the superjunction market, if you look at the IGBT market, all of that can be displaced. They'll be displaced at different times based on uh, the urgency for, in terms of the cost and the performance. So if you need higher performance, you would switch maybe uh, yesterday. Um, if cost is your most important criterion, then maybe you'll wait a little longer. Um, but we also have programs that go beyond, say, 700 volts and 1.2 kV devices. We also have 1.7 kV devices that are coming soon, and next year we'll be having 3.3 kV devices. And those have um, a, a lot of applications, including renewables. So I'm talking about you know, solar and wind here. Aviation, so when you, um, you know, talk about more electric aircraft, there is a huge thrust there to introduce um, you know, wide band gap in, uh, in aerospace applications. There's also medical um, applications, mostly for MRI power supplies and, and, and also uh, certain um, you know, imaging power supplies that, that really require uh, higher performance or higher voltage um, silicon carbide devices. So uh, the, the other major market would be the transmission and distribution market at these voltages. And you could, uh, uh, you could look at you know, traction uh, for either locomotives or high, um, heavy machinery, which includes farming and mining. And uh, the transmission and distribution that I talked about uh, refers to you know, solid-state circuit breakers and solid-state transformers, which will replace our very aging uh, electricity infrastructure we have right now, which is, you know, some of the transformer designs literally go back decades. Um, you know, when I talk decades, I'm talking about nearly a century. Um, they haven't changed much in all of these years, and we hope to change all of that with, with our silicon carbide solid-state solid technology. Yeah. Well, that, that sounds great, Avi. I, um, I, I want to thank you for your time today and, and all the great information. And uh, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in.